Hi, it's Taylor. So way back in February, when we still had a society and could go out and be people in the world, I recorded an evening at Expressions, which is a monthly spoken word open mic at Cafe Koi. I thought it might make for an interesting live episode, but then I got busy and forgot about the podcast, and then society collapsed, and I just never got around to it. Well, I finally re-listened to the audio recently, and it's like a time capsule from another era. All these people together in a space, sharing and enjoying art, having fun. It actually might be just what we need right now. So pour yourself a drink or a cup of tea, sit back, and imagine you're not in a pandemic lockdown, but out for a night of poetry. reconciliation, we acknowledge that we live, work, and play on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy. That includes Siksika, Kainai, and Pakani. The Sutina, the Yahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation, Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Let's, I don't know, can we just give a hat for that at least? Nice Hello. How are we all doing? Okay. So I hear, I hear that, and that's actually a fair response to a Monday in February. With that said, uh, we're all here together to kind of gather and share some words and um, really support one another tonight. So we need to start off our energy, I think, in like a little bit higher of a place than that. Yes. Right? So I'm going to ask again. How are we all doing? Well, yeah, but like better, better. So I am Cobra Collins. Um, I will be one of your fantastic, fantastic, yeah, fantastic. We're fantastic hosts of the evening, along with my lovely co-host for the night, Josie. Uh, we are really, really grateful to have you all here. A little bit of housekeeping before we begin. Um, how many of you is it your first time at Expressions Open Mic? So most of you are lying to me, but some of you are telling me the truth, which I value. So for those of you where it really is your first time here, we'll kind of go over a few things before we get rolling. Uh, first and foremost, we've got a couple of washrooms off to the side here. Those washrooms are gender neutral. They do not care what gender you are. Please use them respectfully. The last stall was having some issues with the toilet. There's nothing to be done about it, but just if you go in, it wasn't the person before you, so you don't need to give them like a side eye, like they don't know how to use a toilet. They probably do, I would hope. Um, you're gonna notice we're in a fairly small space here, um, and we've got some fantastic servers tonight. Be kind to them, be cognizant of space, make sure they can get through. With that said also, please, if you're able, grab a drink, grab some food. Um, this establishment is very, very kind to us, and we'd love to give back to them as much as we possibly can. Uh, it's not a library, um, but we do love libraries. This just doesn't happen to be one. We have a uh, emergency exit at the back as well. Our muster point is over there at the Circle K. Let's hope that that moment doesn't happen for anybody tonight. Um, we'd like to have an emergency-free evening. Also, um, every single month we have a theme. Our theme this month is Garnish. I am unclear on if that is wages or 
like the decorative aspect on the side of the plate. Um, but it's poetry, so it's open to interpretation. Um, our fantastic other host, uh, Selena Clary, comes up with our themes every month, and she unfortunately couldn't be here tonight, so she's not gonna be able to explain what she meant. So I leave it open to you. Um, on another note, we do get up here um, and speak about some pretty personal things sometimes. That's the nature of the room. Um, and we value that and support you in that. Obviously, there is no hate speech. I would love to think that it goes without saying, but it's 2020 and that is clearly not true still. So, no hate speech. And just because we get up here and speak about something doesn't necessarily mean that when we're off the stage, that's something that we want to engage in conversation with. As always, in all aspects as we navigate this room, consent is key. So by all means, if you want to discuss that work, please just make sure that the artist in question is also in a space to discuss that with you. We'd love for everybody to have a dialogue and make friends, but you don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, we typically start off by sharing work. Um, I, first of all, never write to a theme because I clearly do not know it until we get here. And this is going to be no exception. Um, I'm also not going to read my own work tonight. Um, I'm gonna read a piece by uh, Billy Ray Belcourt, which I have read before and actually quite recently, um, that I would absolutely love nothing more than, than to not have to continually keep reading. It's a little longer, so thank you for bearing with me. It's called Canadian Horror Story. I'd like to mark that yesterday was the uh, second anniversary of the acquittal of Gerald Stanley in the murder of Colton Bougie, which is why, which is why. Number one, Tina Fontaine's body was retrieved from the Red River on August 17th. 2014, nine days after she was last seen at a hotel in downtown Winnipeg. The river is an 885 kilometer body of water that meanders major North American cities such as Fargo, Grand Forks, and Winnipeg. A toxicologist reported that the river, an unknowing accomplice, had washed away the DNA from the duvet in which Tina was wrapped sometime on August 8th. The molecular entities that bore the key to a guilty verdict likely tumbled around in the Red River during the criminal investigation. In cold water, the decomposition of DNA is, however, slowed down. So it is also possible that the remnants of that violence are still there in a spectral form blended into the ecosystem of a river already teeming with Indian history. What happened isn't nowhere. It wasn't disappeared. Who listened to the river, who didn't? Number two. There is a holy place filled with Indian girls, wet hair with utopia, who were caught between girlhood and a TV death. No, it isn't heaven. The hunted no of greener grasses. Number three. I would rewrite everything to make forever out of August 7th, 2014. Number four, it is February 9th, 2018. Gerald Stanley is acquitted by an all-white jury in the murder of Colton Bushy, a ceremonial firekeeper from the Red Pheasant First Nation. I am sitting outside my apartment complex immobilized. Centuries of settler rage pooling inside me. The rage pools 
and pools until a single stone could send a ripple through me as though I were a puddle. Colton was just a year older than me. When he was assailed by a body snatcher, the likes of which lurk everywhere in the prairies, the world is a womb, so now I am older than him. I want the clocks to stand still. I want to impose some sort of justice before any of us are subject to the biological wrath of time. It feels unethical to age. Number five, if I die prematurely, forget burial. Just drop my body on the steps of the Supreme Court of Canada. Number six, an entire citizenry is implicated. I have just one question left. How does it feel to live in the asylum built bone by sooty bone? How permanent you made us. Your asylum outside redemption, outside atonement. I bet it's cold out there. Number seven, PSA. You can wish to be unslanted by a past you want dead too, but that would make you a terrible person. Number eight, how alchemical the white eye is. One, sat in a medical office 24 hours without a shower, sweating with hot salizes. I am data to be mine and nothing else. I will help you with two things. That's it, the doctor barks without making on eye contact. My body, a statue of unfreedom from which one turns away. Two, it is six in the morning and I tiptoe bowled over with discomfort into an emergency room, my body protesting movement and calm at once. Two white men are smoothly moved from triage to doctor's care. I am, however, approached by two security guards, bloated with power. Power, however mundane, is never minuscule. Comporting themselves as though they were double their actual size. They asked me to sit still on the chair, otherwise I risk forcible removal at their hands. Shortly thereafter, I'm pulled aside so a doctor can determine whether or not I'm lying about my pain. First Nations people who live in Alberta are expected to die at least a dozen years before other residents of this province. Expecting to die is a manifestation of social death. Do you know how much of the blowback of history an Indian has to caress late at night? It is wounded and wounding. Some nights it hogs the blankets. Others, it curls up at the foot of the bed. Always, it bears fangs. Number nine. I'm counting the ways in which the flesh of Indians is emptied of ethical substance towards another mode of enumeration. Number 10, what if an Indian is not the ceiling of a country's, what is an Indian if not the ceiling of a country's political imagination? Thank you. Um, I've got one more really short piece um, in regards to all of this. So a dinner sits in the microwave waiting for a son that will never come home. There is no way to quantify that kind of loss. And sure, we can talk about reconciliation, but let's acknowledge that the cost of this skin is always going to be shortchanged. A penny for my thoughts. Well, we got rid of those a long time ago. Copper glow. Look how far we've come. Okay. 
So I also typically ask for an adverb to describe a round of applause, and then question whether or not adverb is what I mean, and it is, so that's nice. Um, we're gonna, yeah, don't tell the poets I'm bad at this. Um, we're gonna jump into our open mic. So how it works for those of you that are new, uh, we do a 10-part open mic. There's actually still some room left here, so if anyone's feeling inspired, we do have space for you. Uh, we have our feature for the evening, Bella Richelle Powell. So it is an exciting evening, and we're grateful you're here. Uh, what kind of applause are we looking for for our first open micer? An adverb. Raucous. Raucous. Woo. A raucous, rousing round of applause <laughs> for honor, please. Woo. admit my feelings. That's what this is. How's that? Woo! All right. I'm ready. Yeah. I think I paid for that. All right. <laughs> well, these letters still exist for you. Uh, easily as you want it. A to Z or side by side, X to Y, new greeting cards and good seals and proud marks because we're bound to kind regards like a light and casual platonic weather report? Yeah, all right. Well, uh, today's stream is dripping wide into oceans of L-O-V-E, where every thought evaporates fast enough to make every choice up in the air. I brainstorm the next downpour that you're prone to get caught up in, but every millimeter of rain already felt your skin and collected itself at your feet. It's sticking to me. Cold, soft, and erratic, but Always on tempo with my heartbeat. Unpredictable, this is cliche. And no matter how many freshwater raindrops try to meet the ground, I'm still muddled, like the dirt thickens and spreads. I'm catching feelings, like colds. No, no, I'm, I'm acclimated to a forecast in the back of my mind. And here's where my modern meteorology meets the cold front of pseudo-psyching myself out with superstition. No way you haven't tuned in. Historically, we realized that gray comes from northeast, southwest, colors of the wind, given a faded enough in the mix. Last week, I dizzied myself by it. Now, I tone down my vibrancy towards your brilliance, and it seems apparent. Till sunny eyes break up cloudy truths. It should hurt to stare. But I see it in the expanse of sky which doesn't guarantee to be the gate to heaven, so I can't tell what big picture goes above my head. Bright future, dark past, what will saturate that atmosphere if we precipitate cross paths? Maybe light years away, it's safe to make you my world. Then we'll get why we feel misplaced. I'd like to say I know why you love vintage and a forgotten thing, but I hate keeping Atlantis hidden. When I remember it was home, with an X mapped on that ocean of love. Romance misplaced. You're the gem weighing in my pocket, but I never dive deep, I, I navigate the surface. What's the point of piling treasures I'll have to leave behind anyway? 
Anyway, back to you, Earth to me. Lean on my shoulders like they don't fall news so heavy. second open micer. Oh, I was going to mention, for those of you, again, who are not lying to me, and it is your first time at this event, uh, or any poetry event, really, that thing where you throw your feet and snap is a very real thing. So you can do that. Parades are also a very real thing, too. I just don't happen to be wearing one today. Um, but yeah, so if you're liking what you're hearing, those snaps are a really nice way to let your, your poet on stage or perform on stage know that you're listening, but you're not going to uh, distract them too much. You're also going to notice we have a photographer this evening, a lovely... Ah, uh, lovely, no, like, fierce. Yeah, Ashna. Um, kind of a similar rule as to Taylor's documentation. If you, for whatever reason, do not want those photos to go up on our Facebook page or anything like that, um, please let us know and we'll make sure that doesn't happen. With that said, my profile picture is currently a photo by her. It is excellent. So you probably you. want your photo taken, just saying. Okay, so we have our second open micer. I'm gonna leave the mic down here and just sort of like, Hunch, hunch in this vest like some sort of like beast because first of all that's how I feel on the inside but also I'm probably one of but not quite the tallest person here so um, I need another round of applause a descriptive term here an adverb anyone oh my goodness you guys thunderous thunderous thank you can I please get a thunderous round of applause for a name that we've come to know and love the marvelous Pam Medled please. two short poems with you tonight. The first one I wrote this summer after I visited Writing on Stone Park for the first time. It's called Writing on Stone. The rabbit, the snake, the falcon circling, graffiti on old rock, cries from the past. We were here, we passed on. In this canyon, the hoodoos shuffle. The walls are the dreams of the dead. Stick figures, the outline of a hand waving in sandstone. No one can view these signs without an urge to leave a mark. I too was here. I too will pass. Season after season, geese follow the old man river west. The portents are favorable. There will be a returning. We follow the milk river east, rise from the canyon to meet our fate. Not all of us return. So, um, it's not about garnish, but it's following a little bit on Crowbridge's theme for the last few days. Uh, there have been blockades of the roads and the rail lines outside of Smithers, British Columbia, protesting against the Trans Mountain uh, Pipeline. Today in Vancouver, the port of Vancouver was closed um, 
by people in opposition to that pipeline. There were arrests in Vancouver and hundreds out on the street. So that's at the request of the hereditary chiefs in northern British Columbia. This poem is a poem in three parts. It's called Working in the North. And the first part is called Tar Sands. A red moon in the sky. My hands bloom, thrust, and held in soil, numb to the lick of worms, their till. This year, smoke clouds the tar ponds in June, ash on our tongue. We all smell, all taste, um, sorry, ash on our tongue. We all smell, all taste, flame spit from couch grass, sour gas in the air. The camp. In the city, we choke on glass. That's how it must have seemed as you gulped clouds of your own steam dropped far from the edge of town. Smoke heavy, a thick flood on your face, itch of a late day bush, the flies. And the third part, the bar. Sand, sludge, the pull of what could have been. My furred tongue, thick, I see the dust of dawn. Take the back exit, howl at the dog. Thank you. land protectors that were arrested in Vancouver today, um, released without charges, so I suppose in the scope of the horror show, that is a small miracle. Um, so our, we're heading third, number three. You guys, we're doing so good. I forgot to mention, there is a five minute limit. I don't think anybody has like, run that risk yet. Um, and like I said, we have some open spaces, so I'm gonna be a little bit more lenient. But if we start to really cross that line, I'm gonna do this big clap. And it's like, you don't want me to do that. You don't wanna force me to be that person. It's not kind, it doesn't make me feel nice. So thank you for all being so respectful of that. Um, so we have our third open micer. I need a... Booming. Booming. See, we're getting it, we're getting it. A booming round of applause for Kate, please. Kate wouldn't make 
make a scene. The right Kate would keep her mouth shut, and the right Kate would say it's no big deal. But it's kind of a big deal though, because I'm an individual and I'm not like other girls. I'm, I'm a unique person with my own values, opinions, and morals. If you call me the wrong Kate, the Aries inside of me will bring the fire if you want it. So all you have to do is call me the wrong Kate and watch how I react. Okay, let's keep it going for Kate. The correct page, you best be sure. Um, I am unapologetically petty. I love it. There is no mountain or hill too small that I am not willing to lay down and die on it. Um, so I appreciate that acknowledgement of like occasional pettiness. I value it. I also would like to tell a very quick story about one time there was another cobra. Fine. 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 Also petty though, they messaged me on Facebook saying, I too am Cobra. I responded, the world is not big enough and block. <laughs> so yeah, I like being petty. <laughs> okay, so we have our fourth open micer. Um, I need a descriptive round of applause. What kind of round of applause do we want? Echoing. An echoing. That's an echoing round of applause for the Merchant of Poetry, please. Um, this is a garnishing of angst, I guess, because I too did not know about the theme. No one, no one ever does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so I usually don't get to talk because I'm usually doing slams, but uh, this is a work that I, uh, this is new, uh, and it's called Nothing, so. Nothing, a pronoun meaning not anything, no single thing, but you can't really describe nothing. It's a word that is its own definition. You can't see it or hear it or hold it, so what is nothing? Nothing is a blank page, the urge to write but never being able to grasp the right words in the right order. It's the tumultuous blinking cursor, a reminder that you had a thought that has escaped you and now you're left with nothing is a feeling that something is missing, like a chunk of you has been gouged out, like there's a crater somewhere in you that no doctor could fill, nothing is lonely, it's talking without really having anything to say, it's just speaking to fill the silence, because nothing is silent so loud you forget how to speak. And nothing is hollow, it's an empty chest cavity, a stolen heart, um, because how can you feel anything without a heart? Nothing is an ego big enough to defy the laws of physics. Make something out of nothing. Pull the shadows out of a white picket fence. Take your perfect life and smash it with a hammer because why not? Nothing is unfulfilling. It's everything you want to be ripped away. It's your optimism being left behind in the dirt to rot. Nothing is the feeling that this will finally make you happy. But then nothing makes you happy because nothing is sadness. It's an invisible weight that sits on your chest and pins you to the bed. It's when you're so 
tired, but sleep has refused to visit. When you're so angry, but your hands are too weak to curl into fists, it's being so breakable. You become a black hole and suck everything into your destruction. Nothing is when you feel everything, but it still feels like nothing, and all you are is nothing, and all everything is just nothing, because nothing is 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 something called depression. So we need a re resounding, rowdy, round of applause. I sound like a wrestling. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, a rowdy, resounding round of applause for our last open micer in the first half, Michelle O. Let's go, Paulette! You got this! Hello, um, I'm Michelle. Um, so I wrote this, these pieces. I I battle with anxiety like my whole life and it's slowly starting to die a little bit. So I wrote this piece kind of just wondering when it all started and uh, I knew what the, what the theme was, but I decided to do this anyways. <laughs> Alright, so it's called uh, Run, Don't Talk. I remember the first time I stopped being able to breathe. I woke up 10 minutes before my clock and my mind was buzzing like bees. I put my hand to my neck to check if there was a rope around my throat. Nope. I lifted my head to see if I was dead. Then I regretfully dropped to my bed. I looked at the clock. It was 6 a.m. I closed my eyes and tried to sleep again. With each breath, I was suffocating. Each heavy thought that crossed my mind stopped to park on my chest, every moment ticketing my peace, the meter measured by my rest. I remember when I lost my breath. It was when I took yours. I saw the look in your eyes as I walked across the hallway floor. You wanted me. You saw me. You spoke to me. You shared with me, you gave me things. Not physical things, sensible things, like touch, attention, he, eye contact, affection, human things. You opened me mentally and vertically. You placed your one-size-fits-all key into my unlocked heart. Hand on my neck, you took my breath. But then I got it back when you left. And I was fine until I heard what you said to Megan in phys ed. That I was easy, and it only took a few words to fall into bed. I wish that broke my heart, but it destroyed my mind and collapsed my lungs instead. It costed me my peace of mind. At the moment, it was the best time of my life even though your mouth lied, it was nice to be in someone's eyes. I remember when I lost my breath. 
When anxiety found me, I remember it vividly. Like a canteen of memories that I drink from daily. But now, I'm no longer thirsty. For men who want to wring me dry of my sanity, or women who get a kick out of humiliating, I no longer long for what hurts me. Empty words and old whiskey. I know better. I know, because anxiety hates me. Especially because I've been masquerading as a strong, independent lady. I know because I end her daily. I stop her with my breath. One single breath. And sometimes, I'll do it slowly. In the middle of the day when she's asleep, when she's quiet and waiting for those 10 minutes before my alarm goes beep, 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 I'll cut her off with my gratitude. For the lungs I have that pump my truth, I'll chase her with my attitude, laughing at the pain she induced. I'll stifle her with my positivity, choosing to smile instead of wallowing in her sea. I'll do that so that by the end of the night, she's non-existent, and it's just me present with my breath. And then the next one is, um, at the checkout counter, I place my luggage on the scale, 10 pounds over the limit, a traveler's nightmare. I thought I packed light. What could possibly be in it? When I opened my luggage, all I saw in it was baggage. All the extra things I was carrying that I really didn't need. Two of everything, one for you and one for me. And a carry-on for anxiety. But today, the only person getting on this flight is me. So I removed all of the guilt, all of the shame, and all of the loss. Selected what I needed, wisdom, experience, and the cross. When I got to the counter, I was two pounds below. And I laughed for a second. I have room to grow. That was inspiring. Uh, can you get one more round of applause for Michelle, please? and many sleepless nights. Inspired by local Calgary poets, Sholly embraced the Calgary poetry scene just over a year ago and has since featured at such events as Wakefield's Pitbull Poetry Series, Wolf's Voices, The Single Onion, Pitbull Poetry Series at the Grand, a living tribute to Josh Forbes for MS, the People's Poetry Festival, Raw Voices, Flywheel Reading Series, and Can You Hear Me Now? Sholly's most recent poetic accomplishments include Adult Open Category winner for the Airdrie Public Library, Voices in Motion, featuring her first publication of her poem, In Between the Binary, featured on Airdrie Transit for the month of October. Sholly's poem, The Violinist, will be included in the YYC Pop online exhibit. I want a loud ass round of applause for Sholly Powell, please. Woo! 
for that, Josie. It doesn't even feel like that introduction is actually really me. Um, so my selection, I was aware of the garnish, and I told Josie, I'm like, I'm, no, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I decided that I was actually going to do uh, sort of February-related things. So a um, uh, little black history, um, a little reflection on something that I'd written last year, and then we'll ease off into um, some Valentine-y sort of things. Um, yeah, so I'm starting off with this poem that I actually am going to put to bed this year. I initially had written it, uh, it was supposed to be a letter um, to resolve the relationship that I had that was actually with my dad, um, but it turned into a poem, and I had written it last January. And then I had written a second part of it um, a month later, um, a week before my, sorry, I think, yeah, about a week before my birthday, after he passed away. Remember me? I am number four of five, well, in this scenario anyway, the Powell Freighter Union way. Remember me? You were invited on my wedding day as a guest without a rule, opposed to father of the bride, an honor I reserved for another, my mother, who was both father and mother of five. Remember me? That midnight call when your health wavered and the bra your brain scrambled and reality shifted to see the light. Thereafter immobilized and confined to a hospital room, to a bed of recovery and a regiment of therapy, to reestablish mobility of body, mind, and cognitive. Remember me? You're one of few visitors during your recovery. Your dispensary of monetary aid, providing rolls of coins for calls where your coverage fell short. Remember me? Your ticket home on weekend pass, your pickup, drop-off, handy bus. Remember me, the attendee in the front row reserved for family, for the final farewell to your brethren, my uncle, Father Ferguson. Remember me, a visitor to my own hometown. I kept your name on the list to drop by and sit with, a quick chauffeur to the grocery mart, to church, dominoes, and so on and so forth. Ensuring cash in your pocket where again, your coverage fell short. Remember me? How quickly forgotten that one time falling short. By nondescript circumstance beyond my control in coming to your aid again. That's all it took. That and your inflated gossip of discontent and disappointment verbalized to number five waiting in the gallows for my fall from grace to manipulate manipulate and perpetuate their place replacing mine on your wish list a final testament remember me it's all good because now i'm free i've done my duty fulfilled my prophecy of a promise to my mother in the role of my father to always give if he is in need remember me 
You were lucky I was 405, my mother's daughter. You now rely on number five a little more your nature. And now I'm sure you have since been forgotten, just like you have forgotten too. Remember me. Remember you? You were the unspoken name in a house full of noise, occupied by three young girls and two strong boys. Supervised Sundays came too quick as I walked the green mile, sometimes claiming sick. We, the two of five, were flourished with gifts, guilt-laden even then, as I now recall when. I returned to the house, now quiet, no noise, just one girl and still the two strong boys, brandishing my wares, offering his gifts in hopes to be shared, but refused as insult, as though I didn't really care because I went. Now fast forward 40 plus years, divided again, slightly different dynamics, but still separate ends. In reflection of past and your passing, your end, to a story rewritten, still broken, now bent, the truth. Last chapter in solace, as I lay down to sleep, I pray the Lord your soul to keep. Now if I may pass before I wake, I've resolved my heart, my soul he may take. Because no one lives forevermore, I take comfort in what I've adorned in my child, whom wholeheartedly, truly mourns the loss of a figure whom she adored. With only fond memories of tokens and gifts and basketball games and stories of back home from which he came, of trinkets and coins and field trips and toys, a gift I gave you, as well as her too. A memory that was no need, to, no need for edits or rewrites, it is as it was. In trust, a new chapter, a story unlike mine, in life and in passing, no gift more divine, and now I've resolved, I'm content, I am fine. Reflectively in condolence, I too have chosen to remember you. Um, this next one is um, the complete opposite. Uh, it is about somebody that we've recently lost. Um, who was more of a father figure than my own. Oh, I hope I get through this. Um, okay. Our Father is how we pray. Your art is here between us. Reflected in your family way and the wisdom in your presence. Reflectively known for so many things, all of which are tied and true. You are secretly known as Ice Dad, in case of emergency, that was you too. From motorcycles to soccer matches, and all of life in between, you've touched the lives of everyone, forever in our hearts, forever in our dreams. You've always lived as an example of how life and love should be. Just take a look around us here, it's simple and plain to see. A husband and a family man, a father, a figure, a friend. Telling dad jokes in your cheeky way, it was you who comfort all of us, right until the end. 
Now as we lay you down to sleep, we take comfort in your internal peace because you lived as you lay by example of your love and love life each day. Black history, these ones get a little bit shorter. This one's called Lineage. She has the shape of her dad's eyes, her grandmother's heart, the strength of her lineage and ancestors. Back before we were bought and sold, back where we tended fields that were our own, back to where we lived freely and loved wholly, where our households and homes held all of our family back to where our stories told were those of our true history, back to where our elders held the records of our registry. Back so far we've come full circle, back to earth and mother's nurture, back to my arm and my gaze, her grandmother's heart, and the strength of her lineage. called uh, Mistaken, and it's a series of things that have actually happened to me. You saw me, but you thought you saw someone else. Because I have dark skin, you thought I was Indian, and spoke to me in your native tongue. You saw me, but you thought you saw someone else. Because I have braids in my hair, you thought I'd be down for a sordid affair made worthwhile by your price of friendship, of which I'd be lucky to associate. You saw me, but you thought you saw someone else, claiming my features know knowingly that of yours, identifying my eyes, my lips, my roundish face, Nairobi or Nigerian, but I'm Jamaican. Just gained a little face weight. Then claiming I was the one mistaken. It's funny, you said. You don't look at all Jamaican. You saw me, but you thought you saw someone else. As your token, your past, your reason for your open mind masking your heart's intent. Consent in my acceptance of leadership, the face of company culture, packaged and peddled literally. You saw me, but you thought you saw someone else. Well-spoken, thought-provoking, but silent. Mistakenly, mistakenly unaware of my role, my place, my face, or so you thought, your whispers unheard in my earshot. You saw me, but you thought you saw someone else. You thought you saw yourself, a better you in me, simply by proximity of osmosis but my skin is no more catchy than my disposition. You saw me, but you didn't. A chameleon reflection, ever-changing the script of how you see yourself reflected on me back to you. You saw someone, something, what you thought you saw but didn't see, in actuality, was not me. Now we're 
entering into the love-ish poet poems. Uh, this one's grounded and free. It's kind of with the uh, thought of if you love something, set it free. Um, but not. <laughs> there is something stationary, grounding, in the security of insecurity. Like a balloon tethered to a string in the loving hands of a child in awe of the specter that can be owned and loved or freed in release. Yet still loved in the beauty while it soars on its own path less traveled in discovery of new adventures beyond the birds in migration and the trees in bloom to the pillows of clouds and the breathtaking aerial view of paths shaped and carved out by the river. Through the freedom of release, the child shares these experiences through the Im imagination and appreciation of duality in possession of love owned and loved freed. Last one, I think I have time for it because I didn't get the cobra clap. The cobra clap or the Carol Burnett. <laughs> for those in my age group, the Carol Burnett hook. <laughs> that wasn't where I thought. I meant the, the big clap. <laughs> Manifestation of thought materialized to form being. The playful daydream of wonderment and fantasy into existence of possibility. Are you for real? In what capacity? Alive by my creation, death by reality. <coughs> Part two. You surprised me, or rather I surprised myself. I preach open-mindedness yet I judge your exterior stereotypically. I mistook your kindness as a script for the job and your playful flirt as a means of gratuity bestowed on female possibilities. I apologize for I was wrong, weakened by my insecurities where I'm generally strong. Once proclaiming death by reality, your realness surprised me, now my living fantasy. A chrysalis hides your painted skin, yet not to emerge a butterfly, but a possible penguin.